Hey, welcome to Life is a Story. Uh, my name is Taylor, and I'm here with my uh, guest today, Rick, and he's going to tell us a story about the time that he outsmarted Gaddafi, and he was able to more or less defeat him without the help of the Miami crowd that he was around. Uh, very interesting story. A lot of good stuff, and I'm excited to get into it. I'm in Miami for New Year's. Mm-hmm. This is a little while after the Libyan War, and we 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 uh, knew from Ashasim literature, like uh, Gaddafi was trying to be an Ashasim lord. He was sitting on big vaults of gold. He said we're for the African people to establish an African Union currency, but he never did that. He just spent the gold on his own core loyalists and shit, mm-hmm. and all his guys had like harems full of slave women and shit, and it was fucking like. It was like a fucked up scene, sort of. It made him look real shiny and good, but really he was just like um, like committing brutal guerrilla war on the people of the African continent and taking all their gold and building a fucking terrorist network with it. He was the terrorist league's banker. Mm-hmm. You don't want the banker fighting, but we know that they used to send their guys to Libya to train. Shitload of the Al-Qaeda group was trained in Libya, but you don't want... You know, at the point where he's becoming the bank vault, they don't want you don't want the bank vault to be directly associated with the the violence. So you start to move the fucking uh, power play, the hitters. You don't want the hitters flying out of Libya, even if they trained there. You want them attacking from a different point, so that it doesn't point the international war community, it doesn't point the United States military to the vault keeper. Yeah. So this guy's pretty high level. And this oh, was yeah. his uh, like really high level, arguably the top. I, I would argue that Gaddafi was Lord Ashasim, the top terrorist, the top of an ancient order of uh, Islamic fundamentalist uh, hardline violence. And it's like there's all sorts of literature about it. You can read about it online. But um, this was the number one Ashasim. This was Gaddafi's right hand man who was uh, by their rating system in training camp and in, in terrorist fucking boot camp like he had the highest test scores and he had killed a lot of people already um do you know who this guy was yeah this is this is the guy who uh well you see snuck into miami Mm -hmm. snuck into florida on a small submarine a tiny submersible and uh he brought with him all sorts of trade tools including custom modifications for US made weapons where you could for instance stick this clip into a US made AR15 and now you have a real fucking power AR15 that fucking you know it's just got jacked fucking ammo it's like ammo on steroids um like the ammo that was used in the Pulse nightclub shooting although from what i've heard from people who are like members of the Pulse group uh, the Pulse shooting was all staged. Pulse was eight months after this story. And I've talked to a bunch of uh, gay guys who are members of the Pulse Club, and they said the mm. entire shooting was staged. The entire thing was staged. People said they saw SWAT vehicles headed towards the nightclub before the shooting actually started, for instance. Yeah. Well, uh, that's but, a little suspicious. Yeah, and I know people who are, I know people who are members of that club who are like, mm-hmm. we staged that shooting. It was, it was the final act of the bust that was the roundup. Um, that guy thought he was killing guys, but he was shooting blanks. His ammo had already been changed out. They were trying to activate any remaining elements of the terror cell all at one time, so that then, like you know, phone calls will go down. Everything will be trackable. Will be live with like a shitload of operatives on communications. 
mm-hmm. seeing if anything else talks or moves or does anything funny. Yeah. This investigation started supposedly at New Year's Eve. It was New Year's Eve in Miami. Um, I'd been down there camping out in the jungle myself for like a month. I got there a month early for the show because it was cold up north. Mm. So I took a flight down. I flew into Miami like a month early. So I'd been like, uh, I'd been just kind of being like a hood rat. I'd been like camping in a camping in a field behind a Walmart, like south of Miami, like <laughs> just like drinking a lot of liquor and like just just being like yeah. a hood rat with, with some local local fucking chilling and existing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, just killing time. I, yeah. I I did a lot of cool stuff that month. Actually, like I went down to this little island that they say was. One of uh, Blackbeard's old uh, like hideaway stash islands. Oh, really? And, uh, and like lived lived on the island for like a week or two with this old retired army guy who's like fishing off the edge of the island. I went down to Key West, like uh, I, like I, like I hung out and killed like the last week or two, just like kind of like getting drunk behind a Walmart. <laughs> and uh, it's that sounds like fun, like killing time. Yeah. You know? So sometimes there's like there's like bum time in my life where it's just like. Like what am I gonna do for the next week? I guess I'm gonna do bum stuff. Like, uh, like there's nothing else to do. So like, uh, I'd been down there in the jungle. I probably made more cool use of my time. This guy had been down in the jungle for a couple months. He had arrived by a tiny submersible, mm-hmm. tiny little submarine, with a stack of goodies, uh, and uh, he had been hiding out, like eating gators and snakes and shit. He had a unique build when I met him. Which I guess is a snake eater build, like real thin and ropey, um, look like a motherfucking snake man, you know. And um, that was like my first clue as I meet this guy. Like he doesn't look American. He looks like he's been fucking eating snake. This motherfucker, like I know what a snake eater looks like. I've seen people when they get back from from like you know a long time in the jungle where they've they've adapted to eating serpent meat and they have a mm-hmm. different build to them. Yeah. Um, and uh, he looks like he's a snake eater, and he looks like he's wearing a powerful suicide belt. <laughs> the belt was, like, visible to me. He had a big bulge around his waist. Not a very good at hiding it, it I guess. I mean, he had it well hidden as best as one could. Other people weren't seeing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I pointed it out to some of my friends, like, uh, the other security professionals who were there were like, fuck, I see it, too. Mm-hmm. More like maybe I'm it's only something you'll see if you're like looking for it. Was, looking it was pretty it. DL. It was pretty DL, but you could see the, the you could see it. Though. Like he had it, he had it. Like it wasn't. He had some like ski pants on. Which mm-hmm. is another clue. We're in fucking Miami, and this guy's wearing ski pants. Yeah. Okay. Even well, in who's winter, going skiing in Miami? Me? Yeah, he's wearing yeah. skis. Wearing like snow pants. You know mm-hmm. how hot his balls have got to be. It. Uh, he's wearing yeah. combat boots and fucking ski pants. Black fucking ski pants, and he's got tie dye spray painted onto his black ski pants, which like hippies are tend to be health conscious, and you wouldn't want to like be wearing a bunch of spray paint like that stuff smells. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the guy was kind of fucking obvious. I was wearing a disguise at the time. Yeah, why? Because uh, I knew that this guy would be looking for me, according to Asha Sim Lord and Asha Sim Lord Vault Lord is supposed to have a right-hand man who is to kill whoever kills him. Gaddafi blamed me for the operation against him because I was the first person to go rogue. I was rogue one. I broke with the Obama administration, told him, fuck off, I'm going rogue. I'm going to work with the French Foreign Legion, and we're going to fucking slay this monster. All right. Uh, um, More in depth on that? 
know, uh, the people of Libya had already started a revolutionary war against their fucking vicious power, fucking mongrel, fucking dictator, monster, freaking terrorist leader. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Obama was waiting for the United Nations Council, which is always like it's going to take forever to get China and Russia to agree to anything because they're fucking jealous and uh, they don't like freedom. Those countries don't like like they don't like free countries like we do. They don't want places to be free revolution against a dictator. They're going to side with the dictator and send him a bunch of Kalashnikovs. Of course. You know, that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, so like, um, you know, I was like, the, the Obama, they're never going to fucking agree. In fact, they did agree like six months later, once the evidence had stacked up, mm-hmm. they finally agreed. I helped build the case. Like I, I transferred a lot of the evidence from the Libyan people and the people further South in Africa, uh, mm-hmm. who we had terrorized already. I, I transferred a lot of the hard evidence to the ICC, mm-hmm. uh, the International Criminal Court, myself. So Gaddafi at one point started becoming obsessed with me because he was obsessed with being the, um, Incarnation of Salahuddin, uh, the the ancient uh, like warlord who who nearly killed Richard the Lionheart, uh, who escaped with a um, King Muhammad of the Moors of Sicily, mm-hmm. uh, who brought him back to the British Isles, um, where he like um, gained the allegiance of the Irish Celtic uh, wood folk people and um, King Mohammed of the Moors brought them weapons that are still banned in Ireland. You still can't have a sword in Ireland. Really? Yeah. It's a Catholic country. They don't believe in that. Like you can have a stick, you know? Okay. So don't, you can't still can't have a sword. You can't have anything bigger than like a little pen knife. Huh? Yeah. You have like a little cooking knife. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah. I wanted to talk more about uh, what, what put you in the position to be this rogue one? Well, I mean, I declared rogue in that Obama was telling me I was talking to Obama on the internet. I, I, I was an Obama era advisor. Um, that was like after, after working first, I worked as a money getter, my training, which also paid for my college. So I could do my technical training and learn how all this, uh, hardware like these microphones work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, like, you know, paid for a lot of my, my family uh, and my loans paid for my college, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, I paid a lot of the bills. You know, I was I was holding down my bills so that I could study more with Afghani weed. So I sold a shitload of Afghani weed. That was my training, which also teaches you the art of subterfuge. I was a pot smoker because of my busted ass leg. I have a yeah. lot of metal in my right femur that hurts a lot. Why I went down south for school. It hurts particularly in the winter, mm-hmm. and I was already smoking pot like pretty regularly for pain relief, and um, so it, it made sense to put me in that branch, and that became my training. Uh, and then that is like one thing leads to another, et cetera, et cetera. Is like then I get picked up by the old old man Rick from the those yeah. years. and uh, and then like from there, I had just met my. Uh, my now ex-wife uh, at the beginning of the Obama administration, just before Obama got elected, I met her and uh, fell in love and settled down. And uh, it didn't work out forever. In part, the Libyan war broke us up too because she didn't want to be so deeply tied into all that shit too. She didn't want her life to be in danger because of being with me. Right. You know, it kind of it kind of like wrecked up the the kind of wrecked up our bliss. You know? Yeah. But. Uh, 
you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, if, if it's like probably something I need to have if I ever get married again, is I need a girl who understands. I need a girl to understand that like some of what I do is dangerous. I, I reside sometimes in the danger zone. Mm-hmm. Danger zone. It, it's 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 a little difficult to find people that are willing to make that that kind of commitment to not just you yeah. but your lifestyle. And, and women in general are less into that. Yeah. They're like they're into like they're like that's hot, but like living in that mode of thought is like guys would be like that's cool, like let's get like let's we'll mount a fucking auto turret by the door, <laughs> yeah. and like, uh, <laughs> like. But that just sounds like <laughs> women want to feel safe. Yeah, that yeah. Women, that's... <laughs> women aren't as into the auto turret by the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that that happens. That like you know, so uh, but yeah, basically, I became an advisor for him out of here in Connecticut. I was living in New Britain at the time, and uh, I became an, an Obama administration advisor with a group. I was also trying to make records with the rap music industry. The economy was tanking. We were trying to turn the economy around. War is like they say it's good for the economy. Sort of like the patriotism stimulates short-term growth, but in reality, you're wasting a shitload of minerals. Yeah. War is actually long-term war crushes the economy, and that was the status we were in when Obama accepted the reins. I'm, and, I'm, I'm assuming probably after, after the war when you have to deal with the repercussions of it. Yeah, well, this is like, wow, how much fucking copper did we just spend? Mm-hmm. How many, you know, how many, how much copper, how much minerals did we just spend on this fucking war? Mm-hmm. On, on liberating people in other fucking countries because we're also defending all the free countries of the world who won't man up and defend themselves either. At that mm-hmm. time, now the other countries are starting to fucking see our perspective on it, right? Um, because Daesh came like more visible, uh, the ISIS group like became more visible, and the world started to really see like what these guys are about. Yeah, and they're they're really fucking sick. I mean, I've known that since I was a kid because I'm from a family that is in military intelligence, so. I never questioned how sick these guys are, not that much. But then it's like at the same time, so what? So it's in a different country. How much of our own minerals and our own blood and our own people are we going to spend liberating other people who can't liberate themselves? So that's where we were at at the end of the Bush administration, and I became an Obama-era advisor. I went rogue on Obama because technically you can't tell me I can't talk to other countries. I can talk to the Russians anytime I like. I can talk to any country anytime I like. Mm -hmm. I can't make plans with an enemy against America, but I never would. Now, why are you talking to these countries? Is it just to get more information for yourself? or Uh, Out of just sheer curiosity, but also that's the job of an intelligence consultant. It's Mm -hmm. analysis, uh, which sounds like very boring. Yeah, intelligence analysis. Like, ever read the CIA fact book? It's Mm -hmm. like like an endless, it's just a a big pile of facts about every country on Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, very interesting. Very interesting read. What their prime escorts are, and their, who who runs the show, and you know what what they're about, what their religion and languages are, and everything. What tribes, and so it's like that. Um, but it, at the time the Arab Spring was going off, and very much pertains. Uh, and and I I I was with the Arab Spring people. I was like, yeah, like I see what they're doing. This is like the Berlin Wall going down or something. These people are rebelling against tyranny. They're like yeah. they're fighting for their rights to be free. They're fighting mm-hmm. for the right to party. They're like, uh, you know, they're like, they're trying to, they're trying to establish self-rule. Yeah. Um, and these, like, I know about Gaddafi. Gaddafi was a fucking monster. 
Right. That guy used HIV as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Okay, that dude is is a, is a was a, was a fucking sick puppy. I don't care what his propaganda says. That dude was one sick puppy. Uh, so I went rogue on Obama. I told him I'm not waiting for the fucking UN counsel. You're a lawyer. You go to counsel, argue the case. I'll send you all of the evidence as it comes in. I'll send you everything you need for the United Nations case. But I'm going rogue. I'm going to open up communications with people. At the time, there wasn't such a thing as an at CIA channel on Twitter. Twitter is actually using the old IRC protocol, which is the original Milnet protocol, at recipient hashtag subject. That's Milnet protocol. That's originally the military internet protocol. Hmm. Uh, And uh, they were using it because Twitter is really low bandwidth. I use it still for news and stuff because it's designed to use very little bandwidth so it doesn't suck down the data on my prepaid phone yeah <laughs> you know and they're in the desert with very little as Gaddafi was destroying the cell towers they had limited communications ability through the towers that they could manage to protect or hide and um you know they relocated one somehow <laughs> You know, there was like that. You can you can move a tower to you. Climb up there, get the gear off the top of the tower. We'll move the wire. We'll hide it over here. I mean, yeah. It'll look like it's already been destroyed. We'll destroy the tower itself. It'll look like it's already been wrecked. They come through and say, oh, I guess we got this one already. But really, the tower's hidden over there. They were doing stuff like that. So they had okay. very, 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 very limited bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So Twitter became the platform of choice. The CIA being like... Um, you know, uh, like an older organization, even though it was founded, CIA was founded out of the OSS, which is founded at Wembley Hall. Mm-hmm. It was a communications branch, mostly run by kids, mostly run by underages uh, who couldn't fight at the front, but like uh, ran the communications platforms. And uh, that became Central Intelligence Agency and the MI6. Huh. Uh, those kids grew up, they became. Like they became the the core intelligence agencies for the United States and Britain for the Allies, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, I I just I went rogue on him. I, I told him I'm not listening to you, telling me to wait. Uh, I'm going to talk to people right now, and I opened a subject channel, a forum, hashtag CIA. Okay. Okay. And Twitter, uh, because they didn't have an at channel. Yeah, Twitter. They didn't have at would be recipient at CIA at CIA exists now. It's a pretty interesting channel, but it was formed later. It was formed after the Libyan civil war. So there was no at CIA for them to go through for communications. So I opened a subject title hashtag CIA and opened that as the CIA's open communications channel to the people of Libya as they made guerrilla war on a longtime enemy of ours. Uh, and you gotta watch the the movie U.S. Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, uh, it's a true story. That's why Charlie's so insane. That's why he went insane when when war broke out with Gaddafi because he was in Libya. Charlie Sheen was really a Navy Seal at one point in time and really went to Libya and really scuttled some nuclear weapons that were bound for Gaddafi's arsenal. Hmm. Um, the stolen C four in, in this belt was probably from Charlie's dead team. Damn. So, and and the he he got he got the HIV one of Gaddafi's assassins again. Lord of Ashasim means he got assassins for fucking days. One of his assassins gave Charlie Sheen a large brass old style military 
hypodermic needle, which is a lot of how the HIV virus spread during Vietnam. Uh, because they would use the same, they'd load up the needle with painkillers, and then everybody who, they give it to everybody, everybody who had, who had a wound at all, would be sharing the needle around the unit. And that spread disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would line everybody up for inoculations and not change the needle. They'd inoculate an entire unit all at once. That spread uh, hepatitis and HIV. Wow. You know, uh, yeah. the, the blaming it entirely on the gay community is like fucking stupid. Uh, you know, it's like what's the, propaganda. The, yeah, the military, the military uh, spread it through America unintentionally by using shared needles, and they also told all the soldiers who got it that all they could that they shouldn't ever. They thought it was strictly sexually transmitted. The military did not look at the obvious bloodborne factor of the fucking needles right away. The hmm. military just said, "We know it's sexually transmitted, so you guys can no longer have sex with women." So a lot of the guys like just turned like. Um, heterosexual life partner gay so there huh. was a high number of HIV cases in the gay community but a lot of them were like pretty much celibate like guys who had turned gay because of HIV the real like the real biggest vector for HIV spread through the United States is the military's use of shared hypodermic needles and that's how mm. Charlie caught it because Gaddafi set an assassin with a fucking I'm going to read back some script Charlie Sheen I bang seven gram rocks. I'm winning. Charlie, how did you bang a seven gram rock? That would be like, you would need a really big needle for that. That's a lot mm-hmm. of fucking coke. You would need a big ass needle. Big ass yeah. needle. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a quarter of coke. That's two eight balls. That's a big, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not a coke user, so like I don't know, but I've seen this stuff before. That's quite a bit of fucking coke. You would need a big fucking needle to inject seven grams of coke. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> like, where'd you get that? And he told me like a guy showed up who was like supposedly like a smooth drug dealer, and he had like an old military needle, fucking clean, like loaded with seven grams of rock. I'm like, well, there's your fucking X factor. That's the assassin's needle. They got mm-hmm. the guy too. They they, they did capture him. Okay. Now, um, you were you were telling me earlier about uh, the Star Wars movie and how that's linked to Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue, well, Rogue One was my call sign during that war because I was the first one to, to declare Rogue status. I'm not listening to Command and Control anymore. I'm acting mm-hmm. as as a solo operator. You can prosecute me for this later if I'm wrong. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm going to fucking like go to military prison or something for this, but. Um, I was confident enough in my intelligence work that I knew that I was right. Um, and, uh, so I didn't need to wait around for a chain of command process. It's called going rogue. Right. Uh, very dangerous. You could fucking do prison time. You could fucking do life in a military prison for going rogue on a military operation. It's if you're mutiny. Wrong. Yeah. You know, if you're wrong, you could hang for that. You could hang for truth. Oh yeah. But I was right. And I knew I was right. I had already seen the evidence. People in Libya were sending me an endless stream of evidence. Mm-hmm. Fucking dangerous weapons, VX gas and shit. They're getting shipments of gas weapons, fucking crazy shit. Um, and uh, I, I knew this shit was on. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and and I knew it was live. The first thing I sent Blackwater to do was go pick up the gas cartridges, the gas canisters. Yeah. Um, they had, they buried them according to my orders. They they showed me the shipment they had caught before, it, like it was headed to Tripoli, but the the mutinous navy out of Benghazi um, 
caught the shipment before it made the the which is includes the 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 special technology and scanners and fucking tracking of the French Air Force and the French Foreign Legion. So mm-hmm. the French and the 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 um, defecting Libyan Navy had caught this coast, caught this boat off the coast and dragged it into Benghazi. And what they pulled off this boat, amongst other things, was they got some actual munitions they could use to defend their people, but they got some fucking hardcore gas weapons. I told them to bury those like 15 feet deep and then make a fucking circle of guns around it. Don't let anyone fucking get near it. I'll send someone as quickly as possible. And Hillary Clinton showed up with Blackwater in Benghazi and uh, took control of those extraordinarily dangerous, powerful nerve gas cylinders. And that was when she became Rogue too. Mm. Uh, oh, we lost four people in a war that took uh, only a year. Um, <laughs> what a fucking criminal. <laughs> yeah. How many people do we lose in Vietnam? How many people do we lose in, in Iraq and Afghanistan? We lost four people who disobeyed her orders. They went rogue on her. She was like, get out of there. Abandon the embassy. It's going to get attacked. Go. Leave now. Go. Flee. Fuck mm-hmm. it. It's a building. Yeah. They were like, no, there's a stash of guns downstairs that we were supposed to be disposing of, but the fucking disposal team hasn't gotten here yet. And we're not going to let and this And that's more important militia. than their lives. Yeah, they were like, we'll die for this. We're not going to let this hardcore terroristic militia get a hold of more weapons. Fair so enough. So we're going to fucking stay here. We'll try and get out in time. They didn't make it out in time. I'd have been like, yo, just like light that shit on fire with some gasoline mm-hmm. and hope that does the trick, you know, wrap it up in some carpets and shit and like put it on top of like a stack of furniture, light it on fire, bounce. Even so, that I'm was sure what they were doing, even so I'm sure Hillary Clinton would have, that was what the Benghazi anyway. were doing. Yeah. We could have caught up to those guys later, but then again, not really weapons scatter off into the desert easily. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of steel. They were trying to de-arm the area. You know, and that was what they were doing the Benghazi for. Like, I, I've never even seen that movie. I'm sure it's Hollywood eyes. But what they were doing at the time was just fucking trying to burn the guns. Mm-hmm. They stayed behind when the embassies were correctly evacuated. And it's been heavily politicized against her, but she ordered them to fucking leave. They said, no, like we have to destroy these guns for the people of Libya. And they died in service to the people of Libya because they cared about this cause so much that they would ship, deploy there overseas and put their lives on the line. Well, you know, the, the Benghazi Four are war heroes. They're not, yeah. they're not, they're not crime victims. Very you know. noble. Yeah, people. that's a very noble act is to give, yeah. to give their lives knowing that they might die there. And they did. To protect, and they did, to protect the lives of everybody else in the area. Mm. To keep Benghazi a free port city, to not let this militia gain enough guns and control. And the people yeah. of Benghazi destroyed that militia the next day. Oh, I bet. That militia got crushed with, like, on manual. The people of Benghazi turned back, armed up, masked up, and destroyed that militia mm-hmm. the next day. Because the people of, of Libya loved those embassy workers. Yeah. Uh, where, where were you uh, during the whole Benghazi thing? I was in a little town called Coos Bay, Oregon, uh, systematically scrapping my 
recording equipment because I was out of money and the album was basically done. But I still had the microphones and the laptop mm-hmm. that I had used to record the album. So I could still use those to do uh, central communications. That's right. You you were saying you're you're a musician, like artist. Uh, yeah, I'm a musician too. Like you know, so yeah. uh, the uh, I'll send you the link to my music too. I'll give you give you a link, but that'd be cool. I'll, I'll give share you a link it to the album. Yeah, I'll give you a link. You could you could put it on with this or whatever. It's like yeah. a link to the album that I had made right before this. And some of the album pertains to Libya, like the tail end of the album. I'm kind of talking to Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. Um, on the on the track, there's like a little bit of the central communications work gets captured in the end of an already recorded album. Now, Rogue Rogue One in Star Wars is a robot. Yeah, he's a robot. Yeah. I'm a robot in Star Wars. Yeah, in why that movie? I'm, I'm in the Star Wars movies as characters mm-hmm. uh, th- throughout them. Uh, Darth Vader is like actually based on my father, who was actually really? born. Not a nice tinker slave. He was born like a barefoot potato farming slave hmm. in Canada, where like Juan, his father, his father was deployed to the Korean War mm-hmm. as a multilingual translator. Is Canada supposed to be Tatooine? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being in a tinkering shop in Tatooine would have been much nicer than Anakin's real youth. Yeah, he was a barefoot potato farming right. slave. When they found him, he had been whipped with – it would make him carve his own switch. It would make him get a nice, stiff, springy tree branch and, and carve it to a razor's edge. And then they would whip him from the back of his heels all the way to the nape of his neck. was scarred and bloodied from how much God he had been switch whipped by switches that he had to carve himself. Wow. Barefoot. He didn't get his first pair of shoes until his father returned from war, found him, and liberated him. So the entire Star Wars series is really about my father. Um, and really, I mean, it really is. It's I've seen the. I didn't really understand the the gravity of it until I. I mean, I understood what he been through as a kid to some extent, until mm-hmm. I saw the photos. I've seen the government's one evidentiary photo of the switch scarring on his back i can't believe that his back healed i guess he was young enough that his back healed back up but uh i've seen the photographic evidence of what anakin went through as a youth and it's like being a tinker slave on tatooine would have been fucking great compared to that oh yeah so yeah so i'm tied into the to the whole series like um my father is lord vader he's a very interesting funny guy like uh the real peter griffin is like his his best friend, is Seth MacFarlane's godfather, also my godfather. We call him the mm-hmm. Godfather of cartoon comedy. Yeah, uh, another longtime Connecticut resident. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, he's not in Rhode Island; he's in Connecticut. But uh, yeah, he's like him, him and my father are best friends and drinking buddies and stuff. And they're like, uh, so there's, there's like that's that's why there's 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 a lot of good crossover jokes to be had there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in that particular movie, I am the robot. Um, Why are you a, portrayed as a robot instead of a human? Well, I'm portrayed as a human, too. Um, the girl in the movie, her father is forced to... See, that was written in, in great part. Some uh, A lot of the, 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 the girl's character plotting is written to my 
uh, daughter in Toronto who uh, my, not my daughter like we kept my name off the books because um, cops and like family court and stuff we don't like want to deal with court ever and no I don't have custody I don't have custody of that child uh, another another man her, her her ex who's totally like a similar spirit to me I fucking love that guy uh, he's raising her you know um, doing a good job I hope yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very comfortable with their their family situation and stuff. So oh yeah. Basically, like we found the guy in the crowd, but he uh-huh. was already in the crowd. Now, who is this guy? This is the Moroccan job. This Moroccan-born, Libyan-trained ultra terrorist. Oh, guy. the guy that was trying to kill you. According to Libyans, this guy has killed a lot of people in brutal ways before. This yeah. guy is known as a fucking evil fucking killer. Mm-hmm. He's already in the middle of a crowd, so he's holding a bunch of peace-loving hippies hostage, basically. Right. But like, and he kind of recognized me when I approached. He kind of recognized me, but I was kind of wearing a disguise. I wasn't wearing my hair long, and I didn't have my beard on. I was like, I had changed my look quite a bit, and uh, I gave him like, um, I gave my own name because I knew people are going to say my name. But uh, I gave him Rick. Mm-hmm. Is he not from America? I didn't know about Rick and Morty show, and. Um, <laughs> He's looking for a Richard. They're more proper with their naming. They don't use shorthand names. Yeah. So uh, he wasn't. So uh, I, I just sort of mind tricked him on the spot into like uh, this disposition that I'm not the same guy. I'm actually a cop. I convinced him over the course of like a day that I'm actually a cop who's here. Like I'm, I'm just one of Richard's men. Huh. And he bought it. Um. I cased him for like three days. I followed him around. I stuck to him like fucking bees on honey. You know, like I stuck to him for three days and three nights. And I had him completely convinced that I was just like kind of a dumb like cop. I was like a dumb undercover cop. I was one of Richard's men, not Richard. Uh, Why didn't he kill you knowing that you were associated with him? Because he's looking for his target, not like a like a pawn. I'm convinced that I was like a low level pawn. So what he's okay. looking at was like he's maybe headed in the right direction. Was he trying? He he's was found, trying to get information. He's from found you? one of the king's pawn. Yeah, yeah. And I'm feeding him fake shit the whole time. I'm feeding him fake news the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, like yeah, what I've got him convinced on is that he's found the king's pawn. So he's headed in the right direction. He's found the vein he's seeking, but it's not here. It's actually, like, elsewhere. But he's got to, like, follow me because I'm going to, like, accidentally slip and give him the clues to where the king is. Right. Right. And um, and I played him like that. I had my friends helping me with it. Other people who know me really well have known me for years were, like, in on this. We worked it really well. And after three days and three nights, I waited until the place was empty. It was a four, four nights a show. I'm thinking if he's going to explode, he's going to do it New Year's Eve when the crowd is the biggest. He's going to vaporize a bunch of peace-loving hippies with whatever the fuck he's wearing around his waist. And uh, so the night before New Year's, I I waited until late at night till the place was empty, and I confronted him in an empty parking lot. He had convinced two local kids that I was a narc and that they should roll me two with him. Mm. And I confronted him. I got like right up in his face and I told him my name is actually Richard I am the man you're looking for I am CIA I've been CIA my entire life and uh, my entire life I was born into it 
Uh, and uh, what did he do? I am the guy you're looking for. And uh, mm. he he dropped back and he said his pledge of allegiance to ISIS. I closed the space because I'm looking at trying to find where the button or the trigger is. He had a pin trigger on his on his right hand on his ring, he had a, or his left hand. Excuse me, lefty southpaw. He has <laughs> uh, he had a pin trigger on his left hand ring, and the pin was like above his left leg. There was a little opening where he could he could push that ring in. He could push the pin on that ring in. And it would activate the device. So I closed and closed hips him, but basically like put my junk against his junk. Yeah. And closed the space. So like I know there's gonna be I know how this works, there's gonna be a fucking switch or a button or a fucking activator somewhere, maybe I can block it. At this point, he's saying his pledge of salute to ISIS and I'm like I kinda I kinda like waved the two kids away. They understood how they had fucked up at this point and they took off running. So now it's just me and him in an empty, empty, empty fucking parking lot. I figured, well, I might get vaporized right now, but the crowd isn't going to. That's the yeah. That's, that's the, the thing. Whole that's point. the main thing. Yeah. I'd fucking die to protect my people. Um, of course. Fucking no sweat. Yeah. Okay. I'll be back again. I believe in religion and God. I'll mm-hmm. reincarnate. I'll be a kid again. It'll be awesome. I'll get mm-hmm. to ride the whole. And you'll be a new person over. with yeah. whole new body, no injuries and shit to deal with. Mm-hmm. No, no, like no depressing memories and heart injuries and shit. I'll be a kid again. It'd be cool. Yeah. And um, so uh, he's he's saying his salute, and I kind of this is I really fucked with his head right here. I kind of like um, I kind of like 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 mouthed at his like earlobe, like I was like maybe like trying to seduce him because I know they hate gay people. <laughs> so I was like I kind of like I kind of like like I was like maybe gonna like nibble on his earlobe a little, and as I was like. I was like, I said, talk some shit. I just was, I was just was like, look, I'm gonna fuck you up, motherfucker. And yeah. I think he was thinking like, he's gonna rape me. <laughs> he's oh my god, he's gay. He's gonna rape me. Fuck. Damn. Fucker. Yeah. But he's got the thing to vaporize your genitals. So kind <laughs> of a bold power move there. But he's got to get me off his nuts to fucking activate the bomb. Ah. So he punches me, comes in like real close uppercut, punches me right here, leaving leaving this scar on my nose. You can't see on the radio, it's there. Uh, but uh, he leaves this nasty scar up my nose. Mm-hmm. He, I can he, attest to actually, that. I it can actually see it. like took a it took a chunk of skin. Like I think a chunk of skin probably went flying. Like it actually like ripped a piece of my nose off. And um and I clocked him back, bare knuckle, just fucking. And he had a gun behind his back too. He had a concealed gun behind his back, on his like on his back, huh. like tucked into the belt. This was a belt that could be removed. It wasn't strapped to him because he's a high level operator. They trust him with this belt. Of course. All right. So yeah, he had a gun back there. I figured he did because I could kind of see him fingering something, making sure he had access to something. Like everybody with a concealed gun behind their back, they always kind of <laughs> they always kind of put their hand there first to make sure they know where it is, and that's when you know where it is. So right. I clocked him, and I mean, I fucking hammered him uh, twice in a row. Like, I, wow, wow. Really, I got a mean right hook. I remember I was Meatwad uh, once upon a time. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm you're not, the guy, you're the guy as, that Meatwad. I'm not as from... athletic and, and sexy looking as I was when I was 20 years old, you know. Not but, as sexy uh, looking as Meatwad from Aqua Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm bigger. <laughs> I've continued Meatwadding. I've kept lifting. I still lift weights. I'm, I, I'm still getting bigger. I still do hella heavy work for my money. 
Uh, I still do roadie work and carry heavy shit around all the time. I do moving jobs and everything. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm bigger and harder and stronger than I was then. I fucking knocked him out of his feet, but he didn't go down. He lost consciousness and didn't know where he was, forgot he had weapons. I'll never forget the look on his face. His eyes went like blank. He still hit me a couple more times with the shank ring, but I fucking clobbered him. I mean, I really clobbered the shit ass dude after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did not know where he was. And he ran. He grabbed his bag of tricks and he ran. Now, here's where a big mistake is made. Is like, um, I told nobody else to chase him. I was bleeding, could barely see, like there was blood in my eyes and everything. Like my eyes were getting foggy from the blood contaminating the, the, the clear liquid of my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I told nobody else to chase him. He's going towards no man's land. He's going towards empty space. Yeah. Call the Miami Police Department. Someone call the fucking cops. Okay? I am bleeding the motherfucker out. He's got fucking heavy weapons on him. He's heading into empty office buildings that are empty because it's fucking New Year's. Someone mm-hmm. – I didn't have a cell phone on me. Someone call the motherfucking police. Yeah. I thought someone was going to call him. But being a bunch of fucking stoners and drug users, it's just late night crowd. So it's kind of like a more druggy crowd. They mm-hmm. don't call no motherfucking police. No one fucking calls. Yeah, I mean, it's it's this New Year's. Probably nobody's probably expecting something yeah, like this no to happen. One, no, but no one wants to call and deal with the cops. No one wants no. to just put a fucking phone call. And the Miami PD could have taken him on the spot. They could have got him while he was unconscious in the bushes, a short distance up the way. They could have fucking gotten him. Okay, they could have gotten mm-hmm. him right. They could have fucking tranquilized him while he's sleeping and pulled him in proper. Easy, easy, easy take. And uh, I was thinking someone was going to call him. The one called, and. Uh, he came back the next day and started smiling and doing this slowly accelerating towards you walk that the suicide bomber guys do. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, there was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran hippie in the crowd who knew what to do, and he mind-tricked him, sent me packing, acted like he hated me. He's known me for a long time. He hates me. And he'll help set me up. They'll cut me off the pass. They know where I'm going next week. We'll do it in the jungle. We'll do it somewhere quiet. Mm. We'll help. We'll help you bury him. We hate that guy. He's a cop. And they convinced him that they were on his side. And that he had just picked up this huge following of hippies who were going to be his, like, help him dispose of my body in the jungle. And long and short, they got him into a van, drugged him, and dropped him at FBI headquarters, bound and drugged. Wow. But we could have lost an entire crowd full of people on New Year's Eve. Yeah. They dropped him, they bound him, and they dropped him, like, uh, and dumped out his bag full of fucking murder tools mm-hmm. uh, on the doorsteps of the uh, FBI Miami headquarters and uh, flipped off the fucking security guard inside because, hey, fuck the police. Uh, and, uh, you know, whatever these guys, these guys are fucking wild hippies. They've probably been fucking prosecuted by the FBI or something for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the hippies in the FBI are not that tight. Okay. So no, I wouldn't imagine. So. But then they dump out this big bag of murder weapons and they're like, fuck you. We out. And they got back in their van and bounced. <laughs> and, um, uh, we all got $10,000 bounty from that eventually. Eventually the, the government, the government, uh, quietly like put 10,000. I paid my college's loans off lit. like that. 
Oh yeah, uh, my, yeah. My father and I reinvested it in Libyan gold in the transfer of the Libyan gold and the African Union's money wealth. Uh, we we invested in the transaction of the currency from the war. I tripled it to thirty thousand and paid off my student loans with it. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, so you know, you know, one one of the things you asked uh, to to talk about is like. What's the lesson that I learned from this story? Yes, I would love to hear. <laughs> when this guy came back the next day, locked and loaded, smiling, ready to blow himself and me and the whole crowd to fucking smithereens. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, I realized that I fucked up profoundly when I trusted other people to do my dirty work for me. I should mm-hmm. have called the cops. I should have fucking chased him down myself and fucking knocked him fuck unconscious, like finished him off, fucking hit him in the back of the head and fucking knock him straight the fuck, fucking brutally knock him the fuck unconscious, hog time myself, find the fucking weapons myself, then call the cops. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have done my own dirty work. Yeah. And, um, you know. I counted on someone else to do my dirty work for me to finish this guy, which would have taken nothing but a phone call. I didn't have a cell phone on me. I should have fucking made someone give me a cell phone and called it myself. Called it in myself, you know, like... Um, like it I sounds so simple myself, looking back you know? at it, though. Yeah. Well, I was I was bleeding all over the place. There was blood literally spraying out of my face and shit, so I was a little confused at the time, but I was just younger and less wise than I am right now, and that's the mm-hmm. lesson I learned from that is like... If you have some fucking dirty work to do, you have something hard to do, mm-hmm. don't count on somebody else to do it for you. And yeah, that can apply to, to anything, even yeah. if you're not trying to take down some terrorist yeah, leader. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. if you want to get something done, you don't yeah. you shouldn't rely yeah. on other people. Yeah. You need to Yeah, yeah. Isn't there like a parable phrase about that? Like if you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah. I don't know who said that, but yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. It's a phrase. Yeah. It's a no and that's phrase, yeah. that's a good it's a good lesson for people to, to like, like. With I mean, the, with we my, almost we almost lost so many fucking people, man. We almost lost mm-hmm. a whole giant crowd, like thousands of people. That guy had a weapon powerful enough to have killed at least fifty, a hundred people in one one blast, if not more. Oh yeah, it's like uh, if he's in the in the thick of the density of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good thing that th- that lesson could have been learned without any casualties mm-hmm. that were unnecessary. Yeah. Um. But I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. Right. Uh, but I I think uh, something along the lines of that lesson. I, I thank you very much for coming and help, helping me out with this because yeah, like even like with the work. podcast thing, like sometimes I, I've tried to start other podcasts in the past where like I have like other co-hosts and stuff or guests and uh, they're a lot of times not reliable. That's why I decided to start the right. story podcast was because all I had to do was just myself and then. Just got to bring right. a guest. That's like what what I learned from the rap community from all this like working with rappers and stuff is uh, mm-hmm. is that like rappers are more independent. I, I've had so many rock bands fail because I'm counting on other people to be regulars, to be there every fucking week for our sessions. Every other day mm-hmm. we're supposed to practice, you know, and I'm counting on them to be there and then they just no show. Yes. And if, if people no show, you can't really get the freaking sessions right. No. And um and when like when rappers record, they they don't need anybody else. They just need a microphone and their own computer. Yep. And their, and their own age. talent. Yeah, and that that's like um they can create modern advanced tracks. They can mix tracks and mix music like alone without anybody else. You don't have to count on anybody else. 
Well, I thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. You're a very interesting person with entertaining stories. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, if you if anybody listening to this wants to be part of a podcast, hit me up, If you're especially if you're in the Hartford, Connecticut area, because that's where I am. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, hit me up if you want to be part of a podcast. Uh, thank you once again for coming on.